0: that's not how opening night is supposed to go how concerning what's real what's just one night on the docket we'll do it next on locked on jazz you are locked on jazz your daily podcast on the utah jazz part of the locked on podcast network your team every day How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Today, we'll break down the defensive issues to start. We'll look at whether the zone worked or not. A lot of talk that they stayed in the zone too long. Is that actually statistically true? Or as Will Hardy said, were there just a lot of loud three-pointers? Three-pointers. We'll look at offensively what took place, which is probably what concerns me the most, and three or four really good bright spots for the Utah Jazz in an opening night, 130-114 loss to the Sacramento Kings. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day, and thank you to the Everydayers out there. I met a bunch of you yesterday while I was crutching around the uh, concourse. I'll be out and about more than I was yesterday, um, but it was uh, great to see you. I think I met Duncan. I think was his name. Uh, nice kid, and uh, met some other people. So enjoyed that very much. Always, please say hi uh, at a ball game. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff for you. Uh, we'll break it down. Here's the biggest one for those of you who are long timers. I used to do something called Empty the Noggin. It was super. I did it because I actually have no game recall at all, just to give you the backstory. Um, if you actually asked me about any game from last year, I can't remember it. So I used to write these really long things so that I could always go back and check back what happened last time we played them so I could be that really cool broadcaster who said, well, last time in the third quarter, da, 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 da happened. <clears throat> As though I remembered it off the top of my head, which isn't true. Um, and then it went away for various reasons. And then last year, I tried to bring it back in uh, a subtext subscription thing, and we just decided that wasn't going to really work. So it's back... This year, we'll see how good I am at getting it done all the time. And it's going to be on the YouTube community page. So on our Locked on Jazz YouTube community page, it's going to be there for you. That's the best place I can find, unless I did a sub stack, um, which maybe it will become a subscription thing at some point. I don't know. But right now, I'm just going to do it again, have it out there, see how it works. Um, so um, that's the plan. Um, all right, let's get into the game last night. So the Kings really own this game from the opening moment. Like there's not – it wasn't like, oh, we could have done this or, oh, we could, like it was like 7 nothing, and then we got it back to within one and then by the end of the first they were down eight and by halftime they were down 12 and by the end of three they were down 14 and it was just like whap, 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 whap. And we were not in that game. Those t- looked like two totally different teams and maybe that's pretty reasonable. Their top seven players are all returning. They had the number one offense in all of the NBA and defense is always way ahead of offense early in the season and their offense looked ready to go. Their offensive rating was a 120.8, which is stunningly right near where they were a year ago and right out of the chute. The biggest thing to me, and we'll already talked about this a lot last night, was lack of communication by the Jazz. And that was really obvious rewatching it. Cool on Jazz Plus, by the way. Just came home. It's an hour afterwards. Flipped on my Jazz Plus and just flipped it on. It was kind of great. Um and and just rewatch Craig and Thurl and Holly it's fabulous broadcasting fabulous just such a good and and I I learned this when I did TV with them um how great there. by the way you can listen to me and Ron anytime you want we love that and if you're on SiriusXM you can listen to SiriusXM set up your Google or Alexa and just literally tell it to play Utah Jazz basketball on SiriusXM and it will do so if you've linked them so that's a great way to listen to the game um so the biggest thing to me was transition. Now, Sacramento is hard to simulate. They are the fastest team in the league after a make. They're the fa- fastest team in the league after a miss. We talked about this in pregame. And they really just come downhill at you. And ideally what you're doing is you're building a defensive wall and you're making it so that the t- you know, you're collectively defending. And the exact opposite happened. Talon got hit on an island. Walker got hit on two islands. And guys just came right downhill at him and beat him to the rack for easy layups early. And that's communication. You've got to be playing collective defense in transition. You've got to stop the paint and then fan out. Um, at least that's the way you've always played it. The three-point shot is so prevalent now. You might play a little higher, but that gets to create a lot of space on a team like this. Sabonis so got open court opportunity. Um, Fox got open court opportunity. They they really crushed us in transition. You can We can start to dig in to some of the numbers in this game, but that's kind of what's going to jump out to you um, the most in transition they averaged 1.31 points per play they were in transition 13% of the time which is not high we really did a pretty good job of keeping them out of transition I think they slowed down their transition a little bit in the second half and weren't as prevalent in their transition um, as they were earlier but when they were in transition they're great but here's why the Kings are so different under Mike Brown than they were under the 12 other head coaches what was the final number where's my number on this, this is a crazy story They had, Mike Brown was the 12th head coach they'd had since Rick Adelman when Mike Brown made the playoffs. Is that crazy? But here's what made them so different. They've become an elite half-court offensive team, and they used to, the Kings used to just be a transition team, and then if they got, they got out in transition, and if they they would beat you, but if they didn't get in transition, you kept the Aaron Fox in the half court, and they didn't really have much. Well, last year they were the number two half court offense in the NBA, and last year and last night they torched us in the half court. They were a one hundred nine point seven. Some of the areas, like want a positive, want a bright spot. This is for later. We did a really good job on the defensive class. This is a major concern for Will Hardy this year. Is that this is just not a particularly good rebounding team? Now, when they got a rebound, they crushed us at a 1.62 but that we kept that number down we did a really good job on the defensive glass last night but the kings in the half court have just become really really good I mean on the broadcast last night throughout the whole second half Ron Boone's just talking about how Demata Savonis is just dominating the game I mean he just fully dominated the game the other thing is they just made a ton of shots right and I don't want to you know I'm I don't want to get into that like too much in the sense of like as like they they dominated this game was not close I'm not going to go oh well, they made shots and we didn't and frankly they only made like two and a half percent their 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 shot our shot quality and their shot quality were the same okay they're better shooters than we are like that's why they are better than we are is that they're actually just better shooters. But our shot quality, from a standpoint, we both got the exact same kind of shot quality according to the data. They just shot 55% effective field goal percentage or or equivalent field goal percentage. We shot 50. Okay? So we didn't shoot very well. Um, One thing that, from a defensive standpoint, that's disconcerting is they got 15 corner threes. So that's way too many. We talked about it yesterday. You've got to cut off the rim and you got to cut off corner threes. We allowed 15 corner threes that's, that's too much. They hit them too. Um, Harrison Barnes couldn't miss. And I think they hit seven of their first nine corner threes on the night, but you really shouldn't be allowing double digit corner threes if you can avoid it. Um, And me, and there were a bunch of just bad communication plays um, or bad understanding plays. So there's a zone play in which, at least the way I read it, Colin went to the wrong guy so two guys end up on the ball. And so because Colin should have shifted right, everybody to his right had to shift left to cover for that. And then that left the corner three guy wide open. That's communication. Like, I got ball, you go. Like, boom, boom. And then the rotation in the zone is right. Instead, Walker Kessler is like wandering out from the middle of the paint, trying to get to the... And we're playing an interesting zone that's trying to keep Walker in the middle. The zone... Um, we'll get to it in a second. Did it What did it work? Was it effective? There was another one where John Collins is on a route with a guy, and I think out of instinct he stops around the rim to help with the rim. But, like, we had, I think, Lowry and Walker in the game. Like, you don't need to do that. And his guy gets a wide-open corner three on the right side. Like, you've got to go with him the whole way. But you're not used to playing with the guys. You're used to being the center. Or being, so – There's just a lot of those plays last night where the communication just wasn't good, the transition communication defensively wasn't good, and that's why the Kings ran through it. The other reason the Kings ran through them is they're the number one offense in the history, most efficient offense in the history of the NBA last year, and they returned their top seven players. Like, they were ready. Did the zone work? A lot of questions about that, and we'll touch on it next we're just getting started it is locked on jazz your daily podcast on the utah jazz today's show is brought to you by our friends over at ibotta how does free thanksgiving sound this year ibotta is here to give you cash back and help you save your thanksgiving to make your thanksgiving table complete because who wants turkey without gravy Big holidays mean big family get togethers and you don't have to spend all that money on Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. And that's where Ibotta comes in starting November 1st. For the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app and redeem everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. It's incredible. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points and don't amount to much, but Ibotta, you get real cash back that can get hash out at your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can do it now at Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app and use the code Locked On to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Download the Ibotta app, I-B-O-T-T-A app now, and use LOCKED, just LOCKED, just LOCKED, to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting on February 4th. Or November 1st. Wow, I really screwed that up. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED L-O-C-K-E-D, to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. You got it? It's locked. It's Ibotta. It's 100% Thanksgiving November 1st. Woo! What is wrong with me? But I got more good stuff to tell you about. Let me tell you about prize picks because prize picks is fun, prize picks makes the day more enjoyable. Prize picks let you go nuts during the game. Prize picks let you pick who, what you think Giannis is going to do tonight, or Joel Embiid's going to do tonight, or maybe you've got somebody else you want to choose, and you can pick their over/under. And you're not picking up against other people; you're just doing it against the number. So you can have great fun with prize picks, add a little enjoyment to the game, and you can win. That's the most fun part is when you win. And prize go to pricepicks.com slash locked on Use the code locked on for your first deposit match up to $100. That's right. Your first deposit is matched at prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on for the first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You can also get involved in all of the NFL action. And Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits in your football or basketball season. Have fun. It's prize picks, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selections of stats, types, and players, all with the number one daily fantasy app, Prize Picks. Go to LockedOnNB- PricePicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. I was going to have fun with you today. And I was going to ask the question in the YouTube question of the day, whether or not the zone worked, have all of you answer, and then come with the data. So the vibe was that the zone didn't work. Well, let me tell you something else. I think it did. Will Hardy said it well in the post game. There were a bunch of loud threes. And actually, he made an interesting point. There were a bunch of loud threes, and then the team started to get frazzled by the loud threes, like wide open I used to call them zip code threes. I decided last night to drive home. I'm gonna call it area code threes because they're in their own area code. Because you guys don't know what a zip code is. I, by the way, I need a little help. I need some help. There's a phrase that we all use as play-by-play announcers that he telegraphed the pass, but nobody knows what a telegraph is anymore. So does he DM the pass? Like, what's the modern term of the telegraph? Is it that he dm the pass? I think he did. I think he dm the pass. He like dm the pass. Makes sense. Same concept. I need to be hip. I need to be modern. I'm really old. Um. So give me your thoughts. Uh, DLock09 on Twitter. Hit it on the comment section. DLock09 Dlock09 at gmail.com. Okay. According to the data I have, the Jazz allowed 22 points on 25 possessions in the zone. It's pretty good. 22 points in 25 possessions on the zone. That means it worked. Let's go back to some of the other data we just had. The Kings half-court offense, which is so good, was what was killing us. So the Kings half-court offense last night was executing at way higher than one point of possession. Half-court offense is about point of possession in the NBA. Okay? So you cross half-court. You're in a half-court. You're not in transition. It's about a point of possession. Last night, the Kings were at 1.08. According to the data I have, in the zone – The Jazz played 25 possessions in the zone and allowed 22 points for 0.88 points per possession. It's pretty good. By the way, last night was the only night. The Blazers played 13 possessions. The Jazz played 29. Nobody else, 25. Nobody else in the NBA played over 10. Only nine teams played zone last night, most for like one or two possessions. So very unique by the Jazz and an interesting zone with Lowry marking it up on the top of it um, and then trying to keep Walker, Kessler near the rim, it looked like. So, um, the zone did work last night. That's a really good sign. Like there's a defensive step again. We're, I'm so unconcerned about the fact that we got ran by and ran through last night by the Sacramento Kings, who you can't simulate their speed, whose offense was the number one most efficient offense in the league, who had top seven guys returning, who just waxed us. They crushed us. But I'm totally unconcerned about that. The offense is disconcerting. And I don't know if I want to go back to the first two games against the Clippers because we couldn't score in those games either in the preseason. Then we played the New Zealand breakers if I'm right or no. Then we played the Portland trailblazers and we could score. But like, I, I think everyone's going to be able to score in the Portland trailblazers. And then we scored the New Zealand breakers. And then we didn't play our guys. So I'm a little concerned about how we're going to score now and the, King, and, and the Kings are a bad defensive team, right? The Kings were 26th in the league defensively. Defense is way ahead of offense early. So the fact that we could, can't, couldn't score is not, like, it's a little concerning. I'm not going to lie. Like, okay, it's a little, like, that's my, like, you want my concern? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you lose your opener and, like, we only have one game of sample size and I'm not concerned about anything. Like, that's Pollyanna-ish. And I, while everyone accuses me of that, I think if anyone actually listens to this content, I'm anything but. So my issue is just, like, a few things. One is the three point math. Now they went bananas last night and took 50 of them, but regardless of what they took, we only took 23 or 28 by the end of the night. And our two best three point shooters are Lowry, Markinen and Kelly Olenek. Like Collins, a good three point shooter, 41%, but like rarely takes them. Like, he took two last night. I'd have to go back and look what his rate is. But, like, he's a really, really low for a guard three-point shooter. Chris Dunn makes some threes. But, I mean, his rate of taking threes has to be in, like, the fifth percentile of guards. Like, it's a little bit of an issue of taking them as much as anything, right? So, Colin Sexton last year was in the seventh percentile of all combo guards in three-point attempts. He always has been there. Like he was fifth percentile, eighth percentile, seventh percentile. He just doesn't take threes. Like it takes him an awful long time to get that shot off, and he so he's got to be area code open. Chris Dunn is is another one. He's in the he's in the ninth percentile last year with us. In his limited time in Portland, he was in the first percentile of guards. And while he was in Chicago, he was in the eighth and twentieth percentile. Like he doesn't shoot threes either. So then, really, our high-volume three-point shooters become Talon Horton-Tucker and Jordan Clarkson. Well, Jordan, great. Let him fly, but he is not a high-percentage three-point shooter. Talon is also in the 17th percentile of three-point attempts for guards. Like, I really am concerned on how we're getting three-point attempts this year. Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, all those things we lost last year. And frankly, you know... I mean, it's it's Jordan's got to let it fly, but he's only like an average. Last year, he took fifty; he was in the fifty fourth percentile. It might be where Keontae becomes really important earlier than intended, or not intended than maybe he needs to be, frankly. Um, but and Taylor hit two of four last night, which is great. But Collins over two, Chris Dunn doesn't take him. And honestly, I love Chris Dunn, but boy, when he doesn't take the three and he's wide open, it's what Nate Duncan calls a record scratch, and it's it's painful to the offense. We could not score last night when Chris Dunn was on the floor. I don't entirely think I'm gonna put that on Chris Dunn, but it's worth like it's worth noting last night that the one big jump out was that when Chris Dunn was on the floor we had an 83 offensive rating and when Colin Sexton was on the floor last night we had a 94. everybody else was over 100. It wasn't good, but those two, and it, you're playing them both together as your guards in a combo and all of a sudden they don't shoot threes. Like I'm a little nervous about that little concerned on just like, how is that group getting stuff off? Right? Like, um, our small lineups last night, which I think is really vital to our success on the bench. I, I don't feel like had a very good night. Um, in fact, like Chris Dunn played, I think kind of the entire night in those small lineups, like, Chris Dunn played a little bit with John Collins and a little bit with Lowry marketing, like maybe eight possessions, but I think of his 34 possessions, he was on the floor offensively last night. I think my guess is kind of looking at it last night, like probably 26 of the 34 were with small lineups and maybe I'm, maybe it's, you know, in that range and we just, we, we couldn't score. um, So, and we didn't defend either. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with whether those small lines can work for us. Um, Now here's, it's time for good news. That's enough of the concern. It's time for good news. I got three pieces of really good news for you on things I thought were super positive in last night's game. And then I'll review my final bits of notes for you um, along the way here. That's coming up next uh, here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On, America's number one sports book and an official partner of the NFL. FanDuel wants you to get into the action and new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's right, $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into the action. The app is easy to use, spreads player props, over-unders, and more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, check out all of the latest lines and actions, and get in on it. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Tampa Bay at Buffalo tonight in the NFL. Buffalo's a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over on the NBA tonight. Milwaukee Dames debut as a six-point favorite and the Suns and the Lakers. That'll be great tonight. Lakers are a five and a half point favorite over the Suns. They must not think Bradley Beal. And championship odds have changed the Celtics. After one night of Chris Dapp dropping 30, become the odds on favorite at plus 370, Bucks at 410. Denver at plus five fifty with the Phoenix Suns and the Lakers and Warriors following that. And is your is our rookie of the year changed? Is everybody like? Nope. It's still Victor. After one night, we're not off the Victor. We're not off Victor. Some Derek Lively now, though after last night, has suddenly got uh votes for the MVP or the rookie of the year. It's all at fanduel.com slash locked Did you watch the game on Jazz Plus last night? How was it? Tip of the hat to Travis Henderson, Jeremy Brunner, Carrie, uh Carrie Bullock, um, Carly Bullock, uh, Jeremy Brunner, did I say that right? Nathan Harker, um, Uh, Peyton, um, the jazz Scott Rogers TV crew built all their own graphics, built their whole entire sports Smith and entertainment group network. Caroline Klein led the whole way. Unreal. Jamil Hawkins, my engine, my, uh, executive producer, um, was in on it and helpful. Incredible, incredible, mind blowing work that the jazz staff did. So, um, hope you've subscribed to jazz plus. Like incredible deal, Um, I have the greatest year this year. I at home. I'm like so happy. I have like a dream team. Jamil Hawkins is my executive producer. He's amazing. My broadcast assistants are incredible, and Ben Russell is on my audio. And I have like the dream team. I get to just work. It's so great. And Sherry Dart is our security person right next to us, who makes us happy the whole time. The best. All right, here's the good news. I thought John Collins looked way better more comfortable and just played basketball last night in a manner that was super exciting. He had 15 points. He had 11 rebounds. He was minus nine. I don't care. He was one of three from three. Let's see it. Let's see how that plays out. 11 rebounds is vital. And one of the best things we did last night was we defensive rebound. Like a major, major concern for this team is whether it can defensive rebound last year. It was a bad defensive rebounding team. And rebounding and offensive rebounding is like going to be a bloodbath out there this year. Teams are going to pound the glass at an outrageous, outrageous rate. And last year we were 27th in the league or 23rd in the league in defensive rebounding. We were good last night. And Sacramento last year was only an average offensive rebounding team. So it's not the biggest test, but it's a test. And John Collins was a large part of that. So super great to see. Eight defensive rebounds right there in 30 minutes for John Collins and a really good 30 minutes. It's a little clogged up offensively when Lowry and John and Walker are all on the floor. We're going to have to figure it out. There's a lot of times right now where guys are driving. Like you can blast THT and Collins cause they didn't have good games if you want to, but I'm like the opening part of the game. THT has these two drives that look awful. And honestly, I watched the play. I thought we misran both plays and we had terrible spacing on there were three plays. One of them, I thought we just misran the play. So then our spacing was awful. And so then Talon's just driving into traffic because he has nothing else to do because the plays run wrong. There's another time where I thought we misrun the play and he drives because he's got nothing else to do and just runs into people. And then the third time he drives and Walker's on the dunker and the Walker's guy comes to him and it's just so crowded. So we're going to have to figure out some spacing issues because our offensive spacing made Colin and Talon look really bad last night. And I'm not quite willing to, they weren't good, but I'm not about to go put that on Talon and Colin because I rewatched that game and the spacing was brutal. So I'm not sure there's a lot of guys. And if Talon and Colin and JC and Chris Dunn are going to be good, it's because the floor is spaced and they're able to maneuver. None of them are pick and roll, very strong pick and roll guards. Um, Again, where Keontae might become valuable if he can figure out how to play pick and roll. Um, Number two, I thought Keontae was really good. I thought Keontae was way better last night than any preseason game. Like, it was almost like he hit a shot early. I turned around. I was like, the kid just needs the lights on. Like, you can look at the box score, three of five, one of three from three, one of one. Like, I actually, he made one really bad defensive play where he went for a gamble and led to a corner three, where I think he should have st- faked, gone, gotten back to his man. Maybe it's a little bit of a collegiate play. Like, you just can't leave NBA players open in the corner. And in the college, you can go do that. And if someone hit, someone gets open for a corner, they're probably not going to make the shot anyway. Um Okay, Like he played eighteen really solid minutes. Uh, I thought he made good decisions, which is like that's part of this. Like if he's making good decisions and he's playing, you know, one of the things that that will Hardy said about the youngsters is one is they have to earn the veterans' trust that they can help them get better on the floor. Like that's making good decisions and doing that. Two is that they have to figure out how they're going to work their way into the lineup along with other players to to complement everyone and. and and compliment the group because all these guys come into the league having been generally the best player on their team. Taylor's a little different sort of his background. But, and Taylor, by the way, if you don't know this, his AAU team had three NBA players. His high school team had two or three NBA players. And then, you know, he goes to UCF and he's not totally expected to be the best player on the team. And so that's where Taylor may be a little different, but Keontae made really, really good um, decisions on that. Um, So those are two of my bright spots last night um on the ball game and then the third one we took 30 shots at the rim that's awesome so if you go take 30 shots at the rim you're breaking people down you're getting inside Sacramento last year actually did a half decent job of denying people the rim they were they were 15th in the league at rim location defense but they were 26th in the league once you got there and we did a good job the three-point discrepancy is a math problem it's disconcerting but the but the I'm about to do Jake and Ben, so. Uh, But the fact is that those, they really, the Jazz got to the rim, which is good. Jazz shot 9 of 31 on mid-range shots. So we've got to have good enough spacing so we get in the mid-range and we can kick back out to shooters to make things better. Um, Because I'm not into that's not what was happening. Um, The spacing just was not particularly good. All right, I think that's my wrap-up of notes I had for you deflection count chris dunn four because will hardy said hands on balls chris dunn four Talen horton tucker three jordan clarkson two lowry marketing two collins Ko and abaji one sexton and kessler zero walker contested 11 shots last night all right and we'll talk tomorrow about lowry's tough world he had six field goals in 15 attempts it was not easy thanks that is locked on jazz part of locked on podcast network